Well, it's great to be here tonight uh, with you. My name is Paul, as mentioned. Uh, my daughter, Janae, is with me tonight. Of course, we're not really strangers here. We uh, attend here when I'm not traveling about. I serve as district superintendent for the POC Saskatchewan district, of which this church is a part of it, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Uh, and some of you may say, well, what does a district superintendent do? As soon as I figure it out, I'll let you know. Uh, no, I've been in the role about four years now and get to travel around our province. Uh, last Sunday, I was down in Rokenville. Sunday before that at our church in Star City. And so I get to go around and visit and minister in some of our other churches. I am, in essence, a pastor to our pastors. Uh, some titles might call it a bishop and what have you, but... Um, we are, uh, this church here would be a part of about 54 ministries, 50 some ministries across our province, and about 1140-ish uh, across the nation. And so we're part of a big family, and uh, Saskatchewan District is one of eight districts across the nation, and so I uh, just want to, I think it's always helpful to remember we're part of a bigger family. Uh, we're part of a, a big crew. And of course, we have uh, different other ministries such as Living Waters Camp and Horizon College and Seminary, uh, which is where our office is located in the Horizon College Seminary building just off of Attridge Drive. So come visit us, come check out the school and love to have you there. And so uh, it's my privilege to, to kind of carry on the series. Uh, Pastor John asked if I would preach, and he said, Paul, would you come and preach at the, uh, uh, in February? And I, and I put it in my calendar, and guess what? I was scheduled for the last weekend of February, uh, but my brain uh, had me preaching this weekend in February. Uh, now, the only reason that that matters is that Pastor Jordan messaged me this week saying, could you sub in for me this week uh, you know, because he, he's under the weather, unfortunately. And I said, well, what do you mean? I'm already preaching this week. And uh, I had it wrong. My brain had it. Uh, my brain, maybe the Lord already knew that I was going to be preaching this week. So I'm kind of believing here in amidst this that God has ordained this for a particular purpose for each one of us here tonight. And so I would hope and pray that you have a sense of expectancy tonight as to what God wants to do in your life and believe upon God for what he wants to do here tonight. And so, uh, that said, why don't we pray together and uh, commit this message uh, to the Lord and, and, and uh, commit our hearts to him. So, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we are here for such a time as this. Lord, we're not here by accident. Uh, we're here by your divine leading, your divine purpose. You've called us, you know us, you've led us. And so, Lord, tonight we're believing that you're going to speak to us. And so have your way here tonight, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, carrying on this series called Let, and my subtitle is, is a response of faith. And I have a question here for you. Has anyone heard of a, a Venn diagram? Anyone know what a Venn diagram is? A few hands here and there. A Venn diagram is, is, it uses overlapping circles or other shapes to illustrate the logical relationship between two or more sets of items. So we have some very simple ones here for you. Uh, the first one here is a black bear and a polar bear, and a little bit of black and white would be a panda bear. Right, very, very simple. You kind of see the interlinking inter, uh, relationship there. Uh, the next one here is people who like Venn diagrams, 
people who draw circles around notes, and people who put coffee cups down on their work. Uh, the common denominator in the middle is me. Anybody else put coffee rings on your stuff? I mean, it happens, right? Uh, then number three here, uh, common denominator, we got three things, bank robbers, preachers, and DJs. Now, bank robbers and preachers, give me your money. Bank robbers and DJs, everyone on the floor. Preachers and DJs, are you with me? And right in the middle, put your hands up. So we get it. Now, where am I going with this? Well, we're going to find out. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, we find the writer uh, of Hebrews telling the readers a lot about Jesus. If you start at the beginning of Hebrews, you began to read, you would read lots of different things, that Jesus is the, is the final word, that, that he's greater than the angels, that he's greater than Moses, who gave the Israelites the law of God, that, that Jesus fulfills God's promise of a Messiah that was given to Abraham. That Jesus is a superior priest of, of, a, of a better covenant, a better sacrifice than the offerings that were given by priests. In fact, a priest would represent uh, the man, mankind before God, and, 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 a, and a priest like Aaron would, would offer sacrifices for the people before God. And what's really important, because in my personal devotions, I've been, I've been reading through, uh, I'm into the book of Numbers now, I have kind of a Bible in a year program, and I've gone through Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, and, and you read Leviticus, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, you're going to read a lot about the role of the priests and the sacrificial system and, and, and offering sacrifices to God. And, and most notably, you're going to find that the, that, the, that the priest, the great high priest Aaron, in this case, would only be allowed to enter the most holy place of what they called the tabernacle at that time, where the Ark of the Covenant would be, where, where God's presence would be, he was only allowed to enter that under very, very strict and certain conditions, and often only once a year, to go into that place and to make a, a, a atonement for the people. And if he didn't enter in just the right way, he would die. So here's where we begin tonight. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Jesus did two things, as the writer of Hebrews talks about. One, he was, first of all, the perfect sacrifice. Whereas the blood of goats and lambs, uh, you know, would, 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 were, were kind of a temporary uh, solution to a very big problem, Jesus became that one sacrifice for all. He became the perfect sacrifice to atone for our sins. But Jesus was also not just the sacrifice, he was also became our better great high priest, 
the priest that would make atonement for our sins. And, and in doing so, Jesus did what, what no, nothing else could do, what no one else could do. Whereas before, you had the holy of holies in the, in the tabernacle or even in the temple and, and, and the place where the Ark of the Covenant would be, and there was this big curtain that, that, that cut off any access to that presence, the presence of Almighty God. There was a barrier there. There was a, there was a hindrance. We couldn't just enter in to God's presence. But Jesus, through his sacrifice as our great high priest, ripped that curtain apart. And if you read the gospel accounts of, of Jesus' death upon the cross, you know that the moment he died, the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. Access was now granted before God. We could now come into God's presence because of the ultimate perfect sacrifice made by our great high priest. Now, why, why does all this matter? Well, the reason that we've talked about this at all is that verse 19 begins with this one word, therefore. Therefore. When, anytime in the Bible you read this word, therefore, you need to look back to find out what it's there for. And so we've looked back and we said, wow, God, you've done all this. Therefore, in verse 19, it says, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, it's kind of this big comma, isn't it? This kind of this big, now what? What? What, what? what does this matter for? There, you know, therefore, in light of all this, what? How do we respond to this? And that's what I want to talk to us about tonight. This series has been called Let. And as we look at this, there's actually three phrases in this next passage that all begin with the word Let. Verse 22, let us, so, so this is our first response. In light of all that God has done, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The second one goes, let us then hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And the third is, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together somewhere in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Three responses, friends. Three phrases that all begin with let. And today, we're going to look at this, and in doing so, we're going to build a Venn diagram for us here today. And the first is this, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. This, this is really about intimacy. If you're married, and, and I've been married, Tammy and I will be married in June, it'll be 25 years, and the amazing thing is she still likes me. And, and, and as you know, and if, you, if, you're, if you're married or, or, or if you have somebody that you care about, that you love and, and, and what have you, you know that, that, that in that relationship, there's a closeness that comes. That, that you have this, this aspect of intimacy and, and not anybody has that, that access in your life. Or at least they shouldn't. That's where you get into a lot of trouble. If you have too much access where people have that, that, that feeling that they can come into your life anytime they want, there's, there's trouble there. 
But there's some people in your life, you know they have access. My kids can call me at any time and I'll often answer unless I'm, you know, my phone's off or I don't hear it or whatnot or maybe I'm in a really, really important meeting, but sometimes I'll even pause the meeting and say, this is my kid. I just gotta grab this, see if there's something going on. Your kids often have access. You have, you have intimacy in your relationship with, with, with that special someone in your life. Now, now you're not gonna, you're not gonna treat uh, some people the same way. If you were driving to church tonight and you were in such a hurry because you're like, I cannot be late for church and you're speeding along and the police pull you over, you're not gonna be holding hands with that police officer as they write you the ticket. You're not gonna be putting your arm around that, that, that stranger in the mall and just saying, it's so good to see you. One time I did something like that, except it was with my grandmother. My grandmother didn't walk with the Lord. She, she was in Ontario. My, my brother and I, uh, we went to, to visit her one time. We, I'd flown out and we were at my brother's place and my mom had come along on the trip and my mom heard that my, my grandmother was at a place called Casino Rama. My grandmother often went to the casino. And so mom says, let's go find her. And I said, all right. I'd hardly ever been to a casino, but I'm going to Casino Rama. And I walk into Casino Rama and I'm walking around. This place is massive and there's, you know, games and slot machines and all that. And I don't know where. I didn't even recognize my grandmother for, you know, for, in all honesty, because she was going through cancer treatments at the time and she just looked so different. And then, I, then my mom pointed her out and she was sitting at the slot machine just pushing the button, just pushing the button, gaze straight ahead, pushing the button. And I sat down at the machine next to her. I said, is that machine lucky? Ah, it's all right. She doesn't even look. She just keeps pushing the button. I was like, oh, some weather we're having. Oh, it's so hot. She doesn't look. So finally, I put my arm around her. I said, it's so good to see you. She jumps back. She's like, whoa, what are you doing? And then she just could not believe that her grandson would find her in a casino. But there we were. But we know there's some people in life you just wouldn't put your arm around. You wouldn't, you wouldn't cuddle up next to. And, 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 and for any of us, if, if there's somebody that we really don't like, we're not going to be walking over and giving them a kiss on the forehead, are we? We might give them one in the kisser, but not a kiss on the forehead. <laughs> but here's the thing. While we were God's enemies, Romans 5.10, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. God made a way for us to come near him while we were enemies. I mean, who does that? God does that. The only reason that we could worship as we did tonight and, and enter into God's presence and sing and, and raise our hands and, and cry out to God as we do is because God has made a way for us to come near him. That Jesus has made access to the Father. The fact that we can pray no matter where we are. We don't have to go to a specific location like they did in the Old Testament where you show up and you, and you present your prayers and your worship to God. We don't have to do that. You can pray anywhere you are. We have access. We have, a, we have an opportunity to experience the closeness of God's loving presence because Jesus has made a way for us. And so the writer of Hebrews says, in light of all that God's done, let us draw near to God. 
with the full assurance of faith, with a sincere heart. We've been made clean that we're free from all sin and guilt and now can have, while we were once enemies, now have intimacy and closeness with God. This is the first one. The second is this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Whereas this first circle was one of intimacy, this response of faith is about being immovable in our faith. About, about uh, I, don't, I don't know, can I, can, I, can I bring some confession today? Yes. I cheer for the Calgary Flames. <laughs> I know, I know. They keep losing. They keep losing. They lost, the, they play tonight. Would you just, can we just take a moment to pray together? But I, can, but I can tell you, as much as we might pray, I'm going to tell you something. I'm kind of filled with some doubt that they're going to pull off the win. Yeah, we, you know, we, we have some voices of negativity over here. But, you know, I, I just, I, I struggle at times. And sometimes I watch a game, and, and they, were playing, uh, they were playing the other night, and they were down 2 nothing, you know, after, like, the first period. And I thought, it's over. It's over. They ended up winning 7-2. to two. I mean, amazing. I mean, it was like a miracle. There's a little bit of hostility here still, but that's okay. <laughs> we all understand what it means to doubt, though, don't we? Have you ever doubted you've made the wrong decision? Ever doubted that, that you said the wrong thing? You ever, you ever doubted, and, and if we can be really honest, have you ever doubted in your faith? You know, does God, does God care? Does, is God even there? Does God, does God know what I'm going through? I can tell you, though, that, that especially in the role that I'm in, there's sometimes I have to make hard decisions and, and different things like that. And I can tell you that there are some times that, that I really struggle with the decision I made. And then there's other times where, like it or not, a hard decision, even though it was, I still had to make that decision because it was rooted in something that, that was greater than I was. If I'm making a decision based upon the word of God and the solidity of God's word, knowing that this is what God's word says, so therefore we must do this, I have a lot more confidence in the decisions I make. One of the things I have to do a lot in my role is I have to get used to constitutions. And constitutions kind of lay things out. And when you have a crisis, which a lot of times I'm dealing with a lot of crises at times, I have to go back to the constitution. And even though it's a hard decision, I can have a sense of solidity about it to say, like it or not, this is, this is what the Constitution says. It's rooted in something bigger, if you will. It's not just rooted in my opinion. It's not just rooted in how I feel in the moment. It's rooted in a document that I've agreed to. You see, here's, here's where I want to go with this is, 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 is that a lot of times when we're, when we're wavering and we're full of, of doubts and questions and we're not so immovable. In fact, uh, we're, we're all over the place. We're up and down and, and, and we question and we, and, and we wrestle with these types of things. I can tell you that the times that I've been un- immovable in my faith are the times where I know that I know that I know this is what God's word says, so therefore, I'm gonna believe it. I put my faith in something greater. You see, here's the truth, friends. 
the unswerving feeling only comes from, an, from the reality of an unshakable trust and confidence. When I know what I believe is true, I'm unshakable. And here's the reality is that God is trusted. God can be trusted to keep his promises. God's, God, God promised to send a Messiah. Guess what? He sends a Messiah. God keeps his word. He restores. He, he heals. He delivers. God never fails. God never breaks his word. We do, but God doesn't. And the writer of Hebrews says, in, in, in light of what all Jesus has done, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess because he who promised keeps his promises. He's faithful. That's the second response that we're supposed to have in regards to what Jesus has done. Let's look at the third and then we're gonna mix this up a little further. The third is this. Let us spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So the first circle was all about intimacy. It was all about, about the closeness that we have with God. The, the second was about having an immovable faith, one that's not given to doubts and, and ups and downs. And the third here is about inspiring faith in others. And, and it says, let us spur one another on. I don't know if anybody's wore their pointy-toe cowboy boots here today, but, if, but it, you, know, you watch the old westerns and you got the spur on there. The spur, oddly enough, was not for the comfort of the horse. The spur was to provoke, to prod, to, to, to jab. And that's really what this word means. In fact, the Greek word, which I'm going to butcher, by the way, is, is paroxysmos. Paroxysmos. I don't know if I said the, you know, the, the word right, but that's, it, it means a provocation, to literally jab or cut so that one must respond. So I, I have three siblings. I'm the third of four. And I never once provoked my siblings, but they always provoked me. True, true story. Now, now we are, if you had siblings, you know what it's like. You, you provoke one another, don't you? And, 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 and I had a younger sister. Anyone else have a younger sister? Oh, I feel your pain. Let's just bring it to Jesus here right now. Maybe I'll send this link to my sister later. Uh, and, 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 and here's the thing. My sister was, was a master at paroxysmosing me, at provoking me. She, she had it down to just a look, just a look. And she could do stuff. She could, she could irritate me. So, so, you know, here we are, and, and you know, years have, have, have kind of gone by. My, 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 my dad and my stepmom were driving along, and, and I think we were at the time we were out in B.C. on visiting family and what have you. And I'm in the back, and, and my sister is beside me, and she's paroxysmosing me. She's driving me up the wall. Now I know, and I'm 16 at this point, I'm about 16, 17 years old, I know that I can't just reach over and, and bop her one. I, I did that when I was younger, and I always thought it deeply unfortunate that my dad was fast enough to catch me and that he could hold both of my hands with one of his hands as he administered discipline. But in this moment, I know that I can't pop her one. I can't do anything, because I'm gonna get in trouble. So I came up with a brilliant idea. I raised my hand, and I 
slap myself right across the face. I, oh, Tara! And Dad got so mad at her as we were driving, and she's like, yeah, I didn't hit him. I'm like, oh, yeah, right, like, like I hit myself. Like, who in their right mind would do that? And she got totally, totally in trouble, and she looked at me later. She's like, you're so dead. Anyway, so, and I just enjoyed the rest of the trip. It was wonderful knowing that I'd finally found a way to get her in trouble. I did confess my sin, just so you know. It was seven or eight years later, but I did tell my parents. When the writer of Hebrews is talking about spurring one another on, he's not saying what I just did, but he's saying let us spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let's inspire faith in others. Now, I bring all that up simply to say, have you ever been around someone that just inspires faith in you? Like, you just see the faith of God that they have, and it's just like, I, I just, I find myself encouraged every time I'm around them. They, they, just, they just speak faith, and they have such joy, and they have such a, such a solidity about them. This is what, this is really an outlet of, of a solid faith that we experience in ourselves. So back to the van, we have these three responses. Three responses, but one common denominator. Can you go to the next slide for me here? And that being faith. A solid, rich, vibrant faith. A faith that stems out of an intimate connection with God. A faith that is immovable and rooted in trust. A faith that is inspiring to others. Friends, this is what the writer of Hebrews says that we need to be about. In light of all that God's done, therefore, in in, in light of the work that Jesus has done, let us respond accordingly with an intimate, immovable, and inspiring faith. But here's my question for us. What happens when we have less than a vibrant faith? What happens if, if, if instead of all three bo- uh, circles, not boxes, but three circles, we're only checking two? What, what then does our faith look like? And I want to share with you three shortfalls or, or imperfect versions of faith that we can have at times. And I, and I share them with you with this statement. I've been in all three of these. I've struggled with all three of these at different times in my life. And shortfall number one is this. If our response to God in light of all that Jesus has done is is that we enjoy drawing near to him and and we're rooted, we're unswerving, we have a sense of solidity and of faith in ourselves, but it's absolutely devoid of any sort of an outlet, any sense of community, we have settled for a self-centered, independent faith. I've, I've noticed this uh, among people, and I've encountered at times where, where faith is all about me. It's about my faith. And, and, and maybe you've heard it even taken to the point where people say, well, I'm just, I'm just living my truth. I'm just living my truth. You know, I, I, I have that, I, I love worshiping and I, and I just love giving my heart to Jesus and, and, I, and I love, you know, I, I have this kind of sense of rootedness and establishment. I know what I kind of believe or I'm figuring it out and whatever else. But it's devoid of community. It's devoid of, 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 of sharing that with others and being part of a larger family. It is an independent, consumer-oriented faith. 
Friends, this is actually a very dangerous version of faith. And the reason I say that is because we, we lose sight of the community, we also lose a sense of accountability. We, we, we don't know what it's like to, to live in, 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 that, in that broader sense of the body of Christ and we can stray into error. We need, we need the, the accountability that comes from the relationship with others in the church. We also lose support. We're just going it our own. And what happens then when, when, when difficulties come and friends, difficulties come? We lose the protections and benefits that come from being part of a larger, larger fellowship. But on the other side of this, we also lose the greater impact that comes from being part of something bigger than us. So we have the Monday Winter Carnival. This is not Pastor Karen only carnival. And Karen says, <laughs> she says amen and amen. This is, certainly can't be all her. She wouldn't be able to, it, it, it would be impossible. She wouldn't be able to do it. She wouldn't be able to pull it off. She needs the broader body. She needs the, the, the support of others, the involvement and the investment of others. We do more together than we can apart. In fact, one of the sub-themes of the POC is that we're better together. Now, if we truly believe that, then we must be invested in this. Friends, we have to guard against an independent faith. The second shortfall is this. Perhaps we, we like drawing near to God in the sense of intimacy, and, and, and we like connecting with others. We, we enjoy times of corporate worship, coming to church and seeing people and what have you. But friends, we, we, we're given to doubts and questions. We're, 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 we lack a rootedness. We lack discipline. Friends, in this, in this circumstance, we have what we would call an immature faith. It's immature, it's, it's lacking. This is a kind of faith that, that runs from experience to experience. So God's moving over here, and oh, we get excited, and the goosebumps, and then after a while, it doesn't maybe happen as well, and you know, I start to doubt and question, maybe it wasn't real, maybe it was, oh, there's, God's moving over here. And we're over here now, and everything's fun and exciting, and we found a place where we belong, and we enjoy the worship, and then all of a sudden, you know, things began to, we began to struggle in our doubts again. Friends, we can't live from mountaintop to mountaintop. We have to have a sense of, of, of rootedness and maturity in our faith. James 1 talks about this. I don't have a slide for it, but it simply says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Sometimes we need to persevere in some things. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature. Or as some people like to say, mature. Who's a mature person? Who's a mature person? I don't know. I Bless you however you say it, but... Just because some of you say it wrong, that's fine. James says you must believe and not doubt. Friends, an immature faith is exhausting because we're always running to the next thing. 
We're always trying to keep up with it and always trying to find some sense of, of excitement again to keep us going. Friends, we need to be rooted, unswerving, immovable in our faith. The third shortfall is this. Maybe you have a rooted sense of faith. Maybe you have that sense of, of I know what I believe, and, 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 and you're part of a church, you're part of a fellowship, you're, you're, you have an outward inspiring posture to others, but, but in the reality, though, the, the gap there is that you're missing out on an intimate closeness with God that comes from drawing near. In this type of a faith, we have what we would call a religious, impotent faith. It, it, it has a form of godliness, as Paul says to Timothy, but you deny its power. We can look the part. We, we, can, we can go to church and we can know our Bible. We can quote and even misquote Scripture. And we can look judgmentally on others in the name of Jesus, but we lack the love and mercy and the heart of God that only comes from having drawn close to him. I can tell you I've been here. I grew up on a farm in Alberta, a good Christian kid. I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't go to parties, and I looked down on those who did. All the while thinking, look at me. And then I go to Bible school, and my first year was pretty, pretty much wrecked me. I had to write out a statement of faith about what I actually believed, and I suddenly realized that even though I went to Sunday school every morning, I didn't have a clue, a hot clue what I believed. In the midst of it all, coming to, to this reality that, that, I, that I had certain aspects of religious knowledge and I had certain aspects of piety and, 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 and outward behavioral cleanliness, I was devoid of the love of God. In fact, I sat one day weeping my eyes out with a, with a friend sitting in the, in the chapel at our school and just saying, saying to this friend, I just don't know God's love for me. She, she looked at me, she's like, I thought if anyone had it together, you did. Isn't that interesting how the outward can give that impression? We give that, that idea that we've got all the answers. And so we have these three arenas. Go to the next slide for me here. Three areas, an intimate response, an immovable response, an inspiring response, all of them together are really needed for a rich, vibrant, solid faith. But if we are missing out on one of them, and at times, friends, we will. At times, we'll probably be, be, be missing out on one area and part of our, you know, of our lives, and maybe you're here tonight, and you'd say, yeah, pastor, I can look at that, and I can say, I think I'm missing that component. And that's really what we're going to be coming to tonight. And I invite the worship team to come, and, and they're going to begin to, to lead us in a bit of worship in a few minutes. But this is really going to be our, our challenge here tonight. Friends, can you look at this honestly and say, Lord, where am I? Lord, and maybe, maybe you're here tonight, you say, I, I don't know if I've ever had a close relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, I've, I've never known what it meant to to draw near to God. Maybe you're here tonight, you say, I've never given my life to Jesus. I don't know what it's like to have a personal relationship with God. You're still living as, as it were, as an enemy of God. Friends, the invitation for you is simple, to give your life to Jesus tonight.
that he's made a way through the curtain that you can have access to God. But friends, maybe you're here tonight and you'd say, I've got this intimate relationship with God and I, I love coming to church and but I just wrestle so much with a sense of assurance. Maybe you're here tonight, you don't know if you have an assurance of salvation. You don't know, are you really saved? Did God really save you? Did God really rescue you? Or, or are you questioning, you know, God, you, you know, are you even there? Do you even care about me? And you're just struggling with a sense of assurance. You're struggling with, you're not, you're not unwavering, you're fully wavering. Tonight's a good night for you because tonight is a night we get to lay that down. Tonight's a night that we can set that aside. You might find yourself in any of these three arenas. My question for you is, friends, how, how do you respond now to what Jesus has done? Will you have an independent faith that is by nature self-centered? Will you, will you foster an immature faith that is propped up by, by experiences and by others that, that keep filling up your tank for you? Or have you settled for an impotent faith that lacks the power and presence of God? I've asked the worship team to lead us in a song here in a few minutes called Build My Life. And This song here actually has all three parts of this for us. Talks about, Lord, you know, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are. Fill me with your heart. Lead me in your love to those around me, and I'm going to build my life upon your love. Tonight's going to be a night of dedication. Tonight's going to be an opportunity for you to respond. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me here. Worship team, you you can just begin to play softly. I just want to invite you for a moment. Would you just close close your eyes just for a moment, just to block out other distraction, not that it makes you more spiritual or anything, just just to block everything out for a moment, just to take a moment and say, Lord, would you, would you examine my heart right now? Lord, would you, would you see if, where, where am I in this Venn diagram? Am I, am I hitting all three, Lord? Or am I missing out on all three? Am I hitting a couple but not all? Where do I need to make some course correction here, Lord? So tonight I have a few questions. Maybe you want to raise your hand in response to these, but the first question is this. Maybe you're here tonight, you say, I, I have, do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but tonight I want to make that decision. If you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you just put your hand up right now? Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else saying here tonight, Jesus, I don't want to be an enemy anymore. I don't want to be on the outside of the curtain. Thank you. 
maybe you're here tonight and you'd say, you know, I've been, I've been going through the religious motions. I've been doing church. But I feel really far from Jesus tonight. And tonight I want to I wanna draw close to him tonight. Would you just raise your hand as a sign to the Lord? Lord, I'm drawing near to you. Yeah, hands going up around this room. Saying, Jesus, here I am. I'm drawing near to you tonight. of you maybe in this room here tonight that say, you know what, I've, I've been struggling so much with doubt. I've been struggling so much with being up and down and all around. I've been, I, I, I've been, I've been anything but, but immovable. But I want to be, I want to receive an assurance tonight, assurance of salvation, assurance that God is there. Would you raise your hand with me tonight? Yeah. Let's be honest with it tonight. Jesus, you see my heart. here tonight and you'd say you know what this is I've God's been asking me to step out of the boat he's been asking me to to commit he's been asking me to 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 get involved he's been asking me to speak to somebody but I've been disobedient here and and and, and I've not been I've been living an independent faith it's just kind of been all on my own and you say God tonight I'm just gonna let that go would you just forgive me tonight maybe that's you tonight put your hand up yeah so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to lead us in prayer. And then after that, I'm going to invite you to come. And if you need prayer here tonight, and you're wanting to lay some things down tonight, there's going to be others that will be coming down to, to be a part of this. And they're going to pray over you. And the worship team is going to lead. And they're going to lead us in a couple songs here in a moment. But, but tonight is really a night for you to respond in a full response of faith to what Jesus has done for you. Because God wants to know you, friends. And so, Jesus, tonight we come to you. And, Lord, there are some in this room who said, Tonight, Lord, I want to know you as my personal Lord and Savior. And so if you're here tonight and that's your prayer, I want you to simply to pray with me and say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to draw near to you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you that you accept me. Save me, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And tonight, maybe you're here too, and, and you're saying that I just feel so far from Jesus tonight. Lord, would you draw near to us? The Bible says that as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And so, Lord, tonight, we're setting everything else aside. We're setting aside all the things, Lord God, that we just, we've been running to, we've been distracting ourselves with, we've been, we've been preoccupied about, Lord God. We've been, we've been going about just the motions, but God, we're tired of the game. And we say in this moment, Jesus, meet with me. Meet with me, Lord. Meet with me. Yes, Holy Spirit, all around this room, even right now, he's touching hearts around this room right now. Meet with me, Lord. 
God, for those in this room who've been struggling with doubts and uncertainties, they've been up and down, they've been, they've been running to this and that, trying to find meaning, trying to find purpose, trying to get a sense of solidity in a world that has so much change. There's so much anxiety in our world. But right now, Lord God, we turn to that which is most solid, that which can be most trusted. Lord God, you keep your promises. You never fail. Your word doesn't come up short. And so, God, we lift our eyes off of ourselves right now. We lift our eyes off of our own limitations and we lift our eyes to you, Jesus. We lift our eyes to you. And we say, Holy Spirit, right now, would you fill each one with a sense of your presence, with a sense of, uh, of solidity and anchoredness, Lord God, that only comes from the faith that we have in the fact that you keep your promises. You never fail. You've never left us or forsaken us. We put our confidence in your word that says you, you, that you love us with an everlasting love that nothing in all creation, nothing can take us from your hand. We put our trust in you because you are trustworthy. So Lord, forgive us for giving away, giving away to doubt. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, for questioning, for giving up. Forgive us, Lord. And finally, Lord, I pray tonight for any here that have been saying, you know, I've been, I, I think God's been asking me to get more connected. He's been asking me to get involved. He's been asking me to share Jesus with my neighbor. He's been asking me to, 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 to just provide some love and care for those in my workplace. But I've been, I've been scared to or maybe even worse, I've been ambivalent to it, apathetic. Would you forgive us, Lord, when we've strayed into an independent faith, where we've been more concerned about our own comfortability than, than being obedient to spur one another on to love and good deeds and meeting together and caring for others. So have your way here tonight. Have your way here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews 10, let me read it one more time, and then I'm going to invite you to come. If you want prayer, I want you to come. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Praise God.